All right, this is our eighth lesson on eschatology, eschatology being the study of the last days. And this lesson, we are calling it apostasy and the great falling away. This is probably one of the scarier lessons because it affects right now. And this is what we're watching in the body of, a, of Christ worldwide right now. Hopefully at the end of this lesson, you'll be more informed and you'll want to walk even closer with Jesus. It's kind of like when they have some kind of bird flu outbreak, you're a little bit more cautious and you wipe, wash your hands a little bit more. And uh, if you ever go to the hospital, which we do a lot to pray for folks, you, you're mindful that there's contagions and pathogens everywhere and you're always washing your hands. And uh, I probably wash my hands more when I go to the hospital than any other time. And I work construction and dirt for many years and I've eaten, I used to eat lunch, still do with dirty hands and dirty fingernails, doesn't bother me. But when you go to the hospital, that's a different kind of dirty. And what we're facing right now on the earth is a different kind of dirty than we've ever seen. And we need to be mindful of it. So let's just jump right in because we have a lot to cover. Our lesson is called Apostasy and the Great Falling Away. The Great Falling Away or Apostasy is as much an eschatological event as the rapture. Now we're used to um, uh, eschatology covering the revelation and the tribulation and the Antichrist and Mark of the Beast and the 144,000 witnesses and the ten-headed dragon. That is eschatology, but so is the Great Falling Away. It's what was prophesied would happen in the last days. This is happening right now. Many Christians will fall away, and that right there should catch your eye and greatly concern your heart. It is a promised Bible truth. Many Christians will fall away. I think we're in the midst of that right now. We're going to see by the end of this lesson how, oh yeah, we're, in the, we're hot and heavy in this, and it's only going to get worse. We cannot stop this. We cannot reverse it. This is what Jesus Christ foresaw. This is what the great apostles foresaw. We're walking it out. We're living in Bible prophecy right now. Bible prophecy used to be kind of fun to study because it was off there 100 years in the future. A lot of it's right now. And what we're seeing right now is not the good stuff. Now, there is good stuff to come. But right now we're seeing Christians fall away. We must guard ourselves from the deception at hand. And that's how Christians fall away. They're deceived. Nobody gets born again to say, you know what? I want to curse Jesus one day and live like the devil again. When you get born again, it's a true experience. Your heart's on fire for God. The Holy Spirit convicts you. You're weeping. You, uh, you run to the altar or you, you agree to pray with somebody in public to get born again and you get into church. Nobody starts this walk out with the idea one day they'll quit. And even Jesus warned us of that. Don't set your hand to the plow and start looking back. But what we're seeing is many Christians begin to look back now, and it's a deception. They're being convinced there's something better than Jesus. There is nothing better than Jesus. He is life, and apart from Him, we have no life. This is the falling away when people depart from the truth to look for something better than the truth, and there is nothing better than the truth. The word apostasy in the Greek, it means a defection from the truth. It means to revolt to separate. Uh, technically, it means the abandonment of faith, and it means to divorce. We certainly see all that at work in the earth today. Technically, when a husband and a wife divorce, that's apostasy. There's a separation. Uh, nobody gets married hoping in one year they'll be divorced. Nobody says, I do, I do, we do, before a, a, a pastor or a minister or a judge because they want to be divorced in five years and it costs them a lot of money and hurt. And likewise, nobody gets, in a sense, engaged to the Lord Jesus Christ, wanting one day to curse themselves and, and fail miserably. But it's happening. 
Apostasy can only affect Christians because only Christians walk in the truth. Apostasy does not refer to the heathen or to the pagans. They're never, they've never been married to the truth. They've never been in agreement with the truth. Therefore, they cannot revolt against it. They live in revolt. They cannot abandon the faith. They've never been in the faith. So apostasy or a falling away never refers to the heathen. They don't know Jesus Christ in the first place. It can only refer to those that have truly been born again. And that's what makes this thing so scary because as we uncover in this lesson, folks that have truly been born again and folks that have truly become part of the body of Christ, they are truly falling away, defecting, revolting, and divorcing Jesus in their heart. You cannot depart, revolt, or abandon something you were never a part of. Many scriptures speak of this coming revolt, and without a doubt, the revolt is already underway. Christians are leaving the truth to embrace the very things they have been redeemed from, even as the spirit of the world leads them. And that's a statement you need to think about. Christians are leaving the truth to embrace the things Jesus Christ redeemed them from. Just as the true proverb says, the, uh, the pig that was washed has returned to her miry, to her pig slop. Why would you be washed only to return? And the dog has returned to its vomit. Many Christians are returning to and embracing the very sin and filth they were redeemed from. Whether that's drugs, whether it's fornication. Fornication means you're having sex and you're not married. Many Christians are living that way. That's revolt. Now, every one of us has committed apostasy in blurps of, in our life. We call it backslid. We, we, we committed apostasy to watch a movie we shouldn't have. We departed from the truth. We committed apostasy to tell a dirty joke or to cuss. It was a momentary apostasy. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about folks turning and never coming back home. That's why this is such a serious thing. That's even why there's been a different change, a tone change in our messages around here because this is what we're dealing with in the body of Christ. Uh, Jesus Christ warned, be careful when they tell you peace, peace because there is no peace. And you have to be careful of a lot of preachers in the land that are saying peace, peace when there is no peace. We're going to continue I want, I, with this because I want, to, I want to hit you with some things hard but I've got to let the verses speak for themselves so you don't get concerned. Let me also throw this out there. Some of you, and, and maybe not you, but people you know here in the church, they've been a little concerned with the tonal change I've taken and even some of the things I've preached concerning once saved, always saved and the hint that you can lose your salvation. Let me clarify where I stand and you can agree or disagree. I don't care. I don't believe you can lose your salvation by sinning. I don't believe you're going to go to hell for fornicating. I don't believe you're going to go to hell for being a homosexual. But when we start talking about you may not be saved or you may go to hell, what we're dealing with is this apostasy where the truth in Christians' hearts are slowly being changed. And what they believe is slowly being changed so that the gospel they now believe is not the true gospel. I don't think you can smoke a joint and go to hell. I think you're stupid, but I don't think you're going to hell. I don't think you're going to go to hell for fornicating. I think you're dumb. But that's not going to rob you of your salvation. What we're talking about is what happens when, we'll take Mr. Eddie here. Today he believes the Bible, every bit of it. Even the parts he doesn't understand. There was a Jonah, he lived in a well. There was a Goliath and he died by his own sword at the hand of David. And the gospel is truth and the great commission is everything we need and God's against sin. But tomorrow he says, you know, I'm not so sure about Jonah. And then a year from now, you know, I'm not so sure if God's against homosexuality. 
and two years from now, I'm not so sure Jesus is the only way. That is the kind of thing that can lead you to damnation because you end up taking your faith out of Jesus Christ and investing it somewhere. And you are only saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Even the harlot who has slept with a hundred Johns in a week, that's a male guy who sleeps with prostitutes, she can lay on her back and commit the most atrocious of sins and say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, have mercy on me. She won't go to hell. But that self-righteous Christian who maybe not even is a Christian anymore because now they believe Jesus is the way and Buddha is the way and Muhammad is the way and, and good works is the way and there is no hell. That's the kind of Christian I'm concerned for that they may be damning themselves. In fact, I believe they are. How, how much can you water the truth down in your life till it's no longer truth? How much can you water down coffee till it's no longer coffee? Or grape juice till it's no longer grape juice. That's what we're talking about. I don't think you're going to lose your salvation for doing something stupid. The prodigal was still the prodigal. He was still the son of the father, though he was living in a foreign land. It's that in-between state. You're not living like a pig, but you think that those that do are okay with God. This is the kind of apostasy we're talking about. I, I in a sense, believe once saved, always saved. Because you're not going to sin enough to lose it. Because salvation's of the heart. And when you start investing your faith in other things and thinking it's okay to sin and God's okay with you being a homosexual, God's okay with you fornicating and God's okay with you being a pornographer. I've got to question whether you have a walk with Jesus or not. And if you don't, where will you be five years from now? This is the spirit we're fighting in the church. It's getting us as Christians to change our doctrine. To where now even the most prominent ministers are saying there's nothing wrong with homosexuality. They're saying, hey, even Joel Osteen can't make up his mind whether Jesus is the only way or not. I don't, I don't see how you can call yourself a minister when you go on Larry King and you can't decide. I don't know if Jesus is the only way or not. That kind of stuff is very slippery slope damnable. That's what we're talking about here. So which comes first? I like this. The chicken or the egg is the adage. Which comes first? Uh, apostate preachers and apostate sheep. Now, apostate means someone who is departing or has departed. There are both, I would have you know, there are both apostate preachers right now and there are apostate sheep. These are sheep that have departed the faith, yet they still want the form of church. Apostate preachers and apostate sheep go hand in hand. Where you find one, the other is not far away. We must ask the question, which comes first, the apostate preacher or the sheep desiring apostasy? That's a pretty good question. One of the things the Lord has begun to show me in the last several months is this great falling away will have leaders. And it will be the leaders in the body of Christ that have the ear of the people that will lead the people astray. But what got me asking is, but which is first, the leader or those that want to be led astray? Because if you have those that don't want to be led astray, they won't be led astray. But if you have those that want to be led astray, they'll leave a good church and go find a church that will help them do what they want to do. We've seen it all the time. You preach hard, people that don't want to be preached at leave. And you know how to find a seeker-friendly donut church and a feel-good church. And you know how to find a church that will change you and challenge you. 
So what, what has been my conclusion and what I believe by the Spirit of God, 2 Timothy 4.3 says, he declares that there will be heaps of apostate preachers for the apostate sheep to follow. So it appears, as 2 Timothy 4 says, that they, they will not be able to endure sound doctrine, but they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Christians that cannot endure sound doctrine, they will find teachers that already exist. It becomes my belief now and my teaching to you that the two are raised up simultaneously. The apostate preacher, the false preacher, and the dirty Christian, they are prepared simultaneously by the spirit of the world. The apostate preacher is raised up by the spirit of Antichrist, concomitant to the spirit of Antichrist, successfully producing in some Christians the desire for the world. It is a match made in hell. Stay close to Jesus. First John tells us the spirit of Antichrist is already at work. It's what the Bible in Thessalonians calls the spirit of lawlessness. This is what we have to be careful for. What we're watching in a good way is a resurgence and revival of the law. That does not mean we're made righteous by the law. But do you fornicate? Nope, you don't. Are you under the law? Yep, I am. The law says don't fornicate. Anybody here sleep with animals sexually? Nope. Why? Because the Bible says don't. Are you under the law? Yep. Are you legalistic? Nope. Anybody here prostitute their children for money? Nope. Why? Because the law tells you not to. Are you legalistic? Yep. Are you going to, are you made holy by it? Oh yeah. We ha- we're watching a resurgence by the spirit of God of the law because the law keeps you safe. And I would have you know that the New Testament has way more commandments than the Old Testament. The New Testament has way more strict commandments and laws than the Old Testament. The difference is we're not made righteous by the law. We're made righteous by Jesus Christ. But the law does teach us what holiness is. And the law will make you holy. The flip side of that that a lot of the body of Christ doesn't like right now, without the law, you are lawless. And that is a spirit of antichrist according to New Testament doctrine. There is a spirit of inequity. One translation calls it the spirit of lawlessness that doth now work in the hearts of men. You resist that thing by submitting to the perfect law of liberty. Jesus was so strict, he said, if you think in your heart to lust, you're dirty and committed adultery just by thinking it in your heart. That's a lot stricter than the Ten Commandments. Honestly, if you think about it, the law in the Old Testament is only about two books, half of Exodus, Deuteronomy, which is a repeat of Exodus, and Leviticus. (laughs) So really maybe two books of the entire Old Testament is law. The rest of it is stories, Proverbs, Psalms, history, the end. The New Testament has a lot more commandments. The New Testament is so strict it says abstain from anything that looks evil. That's a lot more strict than the Old Testament. So we're watching by the Spirit of God a, a resurgence, a revival of the law, and it's a good thing. But we're also watching a kicking against the law and a changing of grace into lasciviousness, which is why I believe the Holy Spirit is resurrecting the law not for righteousness, but for safety, to lean against this abandonment and this lawlessness. 
The apostate preachers raised up by the spirit of Antichrist concomitant, which is a fancy word that means simultaneously. The editors of this said, why don't you write simultaneously? And I want to tell them because I'm a geologist and that's a term we use in geology. (laughs) Concomitant means two things geologically happening at the same time. Concomitant to the spirit of Antichrist successfully producing in some Christians the desire for the world. It is a match made in hell. So stay close to Jesus. The reason our church is not a big church is because I preach the word and I preach against sin and people want sin. So they know how to go find a church that will let them sin. Unfortunately, we have the testimony, even since I've been pastor, not that we're perfect or anything worth bragging about. We've had families leave here and go to other churches. And now just a year or two later, you see sin in the world all over them. And they go to another church across town. You can get on their Facebook and see them dressing like floozies or doing things with the most crude people they would never be permitted to hang out with if they went to this church. They have found a church with a lower standard that will let them imbibe in the spirit of lawlessness and cast off restraint. And this is one of the things we have to stand against. I will be accused of being legalistic, but yet we have a stronger move of the Holy Ghost than probably any church in the region. But Paul said the law is spiritual. And Paul also said the law is good. It doesn't make us righteous. And we're not sacrificing turtle doves or billy goats. And we're not wearing linen ephods or uh, consecrating water or or, uh, uh, one of those offerings that you pour out. Whatever. It'll come to me. We're walking with God staying clean. Anybody drive the speed limit? You legalistic fool, you. Anybody pay their taxes? You legalistic. You're so legalistic. Anybody not murder that person in front of you the other day? What are you, legalistic? Anybody not shoot when you wanted to shoot somebody? What are you, legalistic? Take your liberties. Kill them. The great falling away. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3. Let's start looking at some verses that promise that this is going to happen. Let no man deceive you by any means for that day, referring to the second coming, the day of Christ. That day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Paul said two things have to happen before Jesus Christ can come back and set up his earthly kingdom. Number one, apostasy. Number two, antichrist. The spirit of antichrist is already working and it's affecting the church. And once the the good remnant of the church is taken out of here, Antichrist will be welcomed because the church will already have received his spirit. You know, Jesus is going to come back for the part of the church that has received the Holy Spirit and wants the Holy Spirit. Antichrist is going to come back for the church that has his spirit and wants his spirit. It's pretty easy typology. But Paul said that day of Christ, the second coming, the second advent, where he comes to planet Earth and defeats his enemies, that cannot happen until there first be a falling away and the son of perdition, the man of sin, be revealed. Two big milestones in Bible prophecy. We're fulfilling the first one right now, the great falling away. Paul prophesied that there must come a falling away. This is the word apostasy. This verse ties the spirit of Antichrist to a rebellion among Christians. This is why we have to walk closer to Jesus than we ever have. You must know this. Anything in your heart that wants to take its liberties and sin is not of God and you should resist it. That word of the day is live clean and get cleaner. Since when did holiness upset God? 
Since when was God against you being holy? Since when was God against you being against sin? Never. Contrary to what all the fancy preachers are preaching or not preaching. Look at our next verse, Matthew 24, 12. This is one of my favorite verses now in Bible prophecy. And because iniquity shall abound, that's lawlessness. That's the Greek word for lawlessness. Because lawlessness shall abound, the love of many shall grow cold, shall wax cold. Now, we covered this in one of our previous lessons. The love spoken of in this verse is agape, the God kind of love. Only a Christian can have agape. So notice that there's lawlessness abounding in Christians, and it's causing the love of God that's in Christians to wax cold. The word wax cold is the Greek word psycho. That's where we get our word psychopath. And that word means to grow cold or numb. And a psychopath is someone who is numb to any kind of emotion. They can kill somebody. They call them a psychopathic murderer, a psychopathic liar. They're they're psycho. They They hurt people and they don't feel it. And that's what lawlessness produces in Christians. They don't feel the sting of sin anymore. Their heart is not pricked with the sin anymore. They can just go fornicate. They can go smoke cigars. They can go drink a beer. It does not bother them. Lawlessness has abounded and it has caused their love to turn psycho. And there's something wrong when Christians go psycho. Now, I've always felt that way before that Christians were pretty psycho being a pastor, but now I have Bible for it. (laughs) I want you to notice, though, that... uh, Uh, This prophecy will affect many. Many Christians will go psycho in their love. That's what Jesus said. The love of many shall wax cold. Jesus said many. The question is, Jesus, how many do you count as many? Is that a tenth of the body of Christ? Is that a quarter of the body of Christ? How many is that? That's a scary thing to consider. Look at our next verse, 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. Now, now verse, the first verse was Paul. He said an apostasy has to come. Then the second verse is Jesus. Now we have the Holy Spirit saying expressly that in the latter times, that's where we live, some shall depart from the faith. Notice Christians will depart from the faith. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with the hot iron. Just like we saw with the uh, agape going psycho, their conscience is seared. When you start to give over to the spirit of lawlessness, one joint becomes two joints. One beer becomes a six-pack. One porn becomes a collection. One sex partner becomes a dozen. One cigar becomes a habit, and you feel none of it. And you still feel okay to come to church and act like nothing's wrong. You should feel okay to come to church, but it should be to get cleaned up because your heart is being pricked. Now, we understand having a conscience seared, that's talking about being branded. In a place in Ephesians, it says having their conscience calloused. There's a difference between a callous and a searing. A callus you can redeem. I work out, so I've got calluses on my hand. You could literally stick a knife or you could stick pins in it. I couldn't feel it. But if I stop lifting weights, my skin will recover itself. And it'll be baby skin again or soft skin. And I don't like it when men have soft hands. It creeps me out. In fact, when I shake women's hands sometimes and their hands are rougher than mine, I feel like a sissy. A sear, a brand you can never redeem. Not without a miracle. 
You think about branding cattle. You think about the fraternity boys that brand their, the Omega thing. That's a scar. You'll never have feeling there ever again. Uh, if it's a massive scar, they call it a keloid. There is absolutely no feeling on a seer. There, there, it's, you've, you've killed everything. You've severed every nerve ending. And that's what lawlessness will do to you. It will sear every nerve ending in your heart. And you'll be able to do the most cruel, cold, cruel things, blasphemous, and it won't even touch you. That's a scary place to be. Without a miracle from God and perhaps with intercessory prayer from your brothers and sisters on your behalf, you'll never recover that seared heart, that seared conscience. Paul prophesied by the Holy Spirit that in the last days, some Christians would depart from the faith, being influenced to do so by seducing spirits and demonic doctrines. That's the key there. Because we're going to start showing you that one of the things we looked at last week was the apostate preacher. We're asking the question, which comes first? So far, we've seen in, uh, uh, this is the first verse, that there's going to be teachers teaching Christians how to fall away. They're giving heed to demonic doctrines. A doctrine is a set of teachings that you live by. A doctrine is nothing but a set of teachings that you live your life by. Uh, With President Bush, we had the Bush Doctrine and how we dealt with foreign diplomacy. It's how he administrated. Then we have the Obama Doctrine. Uh, A homosexual has the homosexual manifesto. It's a doctrine that homosexuals live by. Democrats have a doctrine that their political cause is by. Police have a doctrine, a code that they live by. We have doctrine in the body of Christ and it determines how we live. Now, what happens when a preacher begins to infiltrate the church with demonic doctrines and begins to teach you and teach me doctrines birthed from hell? It begins to affect how we live. If I start telling you God does not judge or condemn your sin, you'll live any way you want to and you'll feel okay about it. I'll teach you to sear your conscience. This is what's going to cause the apostasy. Voices of notoriety, not necessarily God at all, voices in the body of Christ teaching you it's okay to fornicate. Hey, you guys are engaged. Test drive each other. It's all right to sleep around. Oh, no, no. What about the Bible? Oh, that... Here's one of the things being taught now. The Bible's not for today. It's got some good stories in it, but it's out of date with common man. It's out of date with modern man. How about, idiot, modern man is out of touch with Jehovah God. Remember, he's the one that never changes. And he's not impressed with our technology. He's not impressed with our nation. He's not impressed with our culture. Don't forget, nations rise and fall. He endures forever. America is a blip on the radar. And we've already surpassed our shelf life. Republics only last 200 years, and we've already surpassed it by almost 50. And if you hadn't noticed, we're kind of backing off. We're kind of slowing down. Doctrines. They teach us how to live or think. Note that half of the equation of 1 Timothy 4's apostasy, half the equation is based upon the doctrine being taught. In this case, demonic doctrines will will be taught and some Christians will follow. This will produce the effect of a seared conscience. A seared conscience is worse than a callous conscience. This prophecy will affect some. So Jesus said many will sear, uh, will have cold love. Paul said some will depart from the faith. So we have many and some. Look at our next verse, 2 Timothy 4. For the time will come... 
And he's talking to Paul, excuse me, Timothy, a pastor. For the time will come, local pastor, when the people will not endure sound doctrine. We're already there. We're already to the place where people can't endure sound doctrine. They always, that, that pastor is so judgmental. That message was so hard. As I have now begun to say, people with low standards don't like to be judged. People with low standards don't like to be judged. Nobody with a piece of junk hoopty goes to a car show because they don't want to be judged. But he that has taken care of the 57 Chevy and reconditioned it and reupholstered it, he with pride shows up at the car show and says, judge on. Oh, this is an original interior. Oh, he caught that. I'll be back next year. And he goes and he goes and he searches the Internet and all the collector's magazines and he finds original interior because he will win the prize because he has a high standard. You don't see Olympians complain when they don't make the mark. They know they were judged and they were judged fairly. And the whole reason they have a high standard is because they want to be judged. I want to compete with the best in the world. Too many Christians don't want to compete with the best. They're too busy trying to be the jalopy and the couch potato spiritually. Christians can't endure sound doctrine. That's why they go to churches with light shows and smoke machines. That's why they go to the seeker-friendly church that gives them an encouraging how-to message every service. I'm not against those once in a while. But when your life is falling apart and the Spirit of God says, deal with it, we're not going to give you an encouraging how-to message. When the ship is sinking, you don't run a drill. You run for your life. And everything is on the line. But after their own lusts, shall they heap to themselves teachers? So they're going and picking teachers. Biblically, you don't have a right to pick your pastor. God picks your pastor. These guys have the ability here, we live in these days, to go find a teacher that suits their need. And because of that, we have Christians that jump around from church to church to church to church until they find a place. We have a lot of Goldilocks Christians. This one's too hot. This one's too cold. This one's just right. This one's too soft. This one's too hard. This one's just right. This one's too hard. This one's too hard. This one's not soft enough. This one's not soft enough. Oh, this one is just right. I always wonder why the bears didn't eat her. And what's she doing looking? Why is she hanging out with bears anyway? She deserved to get eaten. I don't even know how the end of the story goes. Who's been sleeping in my bed? It's a dumb story. That's how most Christians are living right now. Dumb. Goldilocks. They shall heap to themselves teachers. They go and pick their own teacher. I didn't get to pick any of my pastors. I have never got to pick a single pastor. I let the Holy Ghost lead me. And when I got there, he said, this is your pastor. Put your put roots down here. Submit to this man. Yes, sir. Who What's his name? Lord, look at the visitor pack. Oh, all right. Pastor Tim Krause is my new pastor. Praise the Lord. Pastor Kenneth James Vaughn. That's my father in the faith. Praise the Lord. Lord, who would you have me to be my pastor now that I'm pastor? Dr. Mark T. Barclay. I know that guy. (laughs) I've been around his ministry. All right, Lord. Here, rebellion goes and finds something that lets them do what they want to. Having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth 
and shall be turned unto fables. The word fables means invention or falsehood. We have a lot of preachers right now that are just inventing new doctrine. Joseph Prince is one of the worst. And apparently he was just saying recently, trying to explain grace in the New Testament, that Ananias and Sapphira, who God absolutely just destroyed in a church service, he said they weren't Christians. So there wasn't any grace for them because they weren't Christians. Where did you make that one up from, Joe? Because you have to fit it and cram it into your weird little perverse hyper grace doctrine. Ananias and Sapphira weren't Christians. Why do they get rebuked by the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost doesn't rebuke heathen. He has mercy on them. They were part of the church. The Bible says there in the book of Acts, and thus nobody joined themselves to them except for the saints. They were afraid. Only those that were true believers were in the church at the day because they were working such mighty signs and wonders. So, oh, Joseph, the Prince of Grace, as Charisma calls him, magazine, Charisma magazine, his new invention is Ananias and Sapphira weren't Christians. That's why God killed him. The Lord says, I have no death, no pleasure in the death of the wicked. They didn't know any better. No, these guys did. So this is what people are going to turn themselves to. And by the way, Joseph Prince is the hottest thing on Christian television. Uh, in fact, Luke just told me that he's popular in Panama. And, and he mentioned something to Pastor Vargas down there. He said, oh, Joseph Prince has bad doctrine? Oh, yeah. He's so popular down here. How does a Malaysian gain popularity in Panama? Paul prophesied of a coming time when Christians will not want sound doctrine. In fact, the Greek indicates they would not be able to sustain or bear sound doctrine. These Christians will leave sound teaching and find a teacher who will tickle their ears and give them what they want. This is one of the ways apostasy works. People depart from the truth to find a pseudo-truth. There are already heaps of bad teachers. We're answering the question, which comes first, the teacher or the follower? It's simultaneous. Folks fall away, and at the same time, they find somebody to lead them away, so they feel okay about it. Here's this preacher. He's got an established ministry. He's letting me do what I already wanted to do. It must be God. If you left the Bible, it was never God. Second Peter, uh, there shall be false teachers among you, and many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Peter prophesied that false teachers will come and teach things that appeal to many Christians. These Christians will have to leave the truth to follow the lie. They will depart from the faith to please their ears and their flesh. Their itching ears will seek out false teachers to follow. If you guys ever get mad at me, you know where to go to church. You know the reputation in this community. You know who will back off. You know who will let you alone. You know who will make you feel awesome about you, though you shouldn't feel awesome about you. I just killed four people and got high off of meth. I feel awesome about me. That's a seared conscience. I'm sleeping with my third girlfriend this month and God loves me. And there's no remorse there. You have a seared conscience. Many, Paul Peter said, many will follow their pernicious ways. The word pernicious means worthy of damnation. So what happens when the way you're following ends in damnation? Where do you end up? It just stands to reason. I write the full verse here in, in this next section. But there were false po- prophets among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them. We point out that the word deny there means to refuse to listen to. 
Just like the doctor tells you you have cancer and you deny it. You refuse to listen to it. It doesn't necessarily mean they deny that Jesus exists. In a sense, it means they refuse to listen to him. Even denying the Lord. The Greek word literally means to refuse to open your ear. The doctor says you have six months to live and you go into denial. You refuse to listen to him. Even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Peter's prediction is the same as Paul's from 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. Many Christians will leave the truth to follow lies. Who's feeding them the lies? Preachers. Who's leading them? Leaders. And they're false. They don't start off false, but that's where they're at. Peter adds that these teachers will, will teach damning heresies that, when followed, will destroy the adherents, formerly decent Christian witness. That means if you start listening to these damnable heresies, it'll ruin your witness. Uh, they, Brother Eddie used to have such a strong witness. Now I see him at the bars. Wasn't, wasn't he active at that church? Yeah, but he left that church to go to another church, and that new church permits drinking. And now we see Eddie at the bar all the time. Boy, what a shame. And because of Eddie and listening to these damnable heresies, his lifestyle's hurting the way of truth, the testimony of Jesus. That's what the devil wants. He wants to make us dirty double agents, false advertisements for Jesus. The other thing is the world's looking for this. I just read an article on CNN. I track CNN only because they have a good religion page that's very heretical, but they point out, they help. To me, it gives me insight into the stupidity in the body of Christ. So there was a recent article that I caught, an editorial, an op-ed that said, where are all the good Christians? And it goes on to talk about all the major ministers that are speaking against homosexuality right now. I said, go, guys, go. And the guy's saying, what happened to the love of Jesus? What happened to God being merciful? And yet all these so-called Christians are condemning homosexuality. Yeah, that's because we're Christians. And so this op-ed was complaining, where are all the good Christians? They're trying to tell us how we're supposed to be. You don't even know Jesus. How can you tell us how to be like him? It's like me telling Eddie, Eddie, you don't look enough like a lumberjack. I'm not a lumberjack, but you should be. No, I don't do that. And they're trying to tell us we don't look enough like a whatever they want us to look like and still call it Jesus. And so many weak preachers are catering to that, becoming false preachers, leading people astray. So what does apostasy look like? This is my favorite little section here. Let's go through kind of based on the scriptures. Let's see if we find apostasy working right now in our nation and in the American church or even the worldwide church. The Bible gives us several symptoms of apostasy. You know, if you're sick, you'll have a fever, you'll sweat, you might have a runny stomach, a runny nose, headaches, uh, swollen throat, vomiting. Those are good symptoms. Something is wrong with you. So let's see what some symptoms of apostasy looks like. Apostasy has leaders who will teach and permit sin in the church. Check? Check? All right. Apostasy abuses grace and uses it as a free pass to live dirty. Check? I got scripture references on all these. Apostasy causes the church to lose its power. Have we lost power? Check? Apostasy is an abounding of deception causing the unstable and ignorant to be beguiled. Is that going on? Are we buying up Joseph Prince books, Rick Warren books, Rob Bell books, McLaren books? Oh, yeah. We're making these guys Joel Osteen books. 
We're making these guys filthy rich. The church is. Check. Targeting women to lead them astray. Who do you think gives TBN the most money? Women. Widows. Check. Promotes false teachers in such abundance, producing heaps of them. (laughs) Check. Apostasy produces a form of godliness, but no power. Check. Apostasy causes many to, be un, uh, many to be unable to endure sound doctrine. Are we seeing we're Christians? Yeah. The fastest growing churches are donut churches. Light, fluffy, sugar-coated, full of nothing. That's why I call them a donut church. And 10 out of 10 children will prefer a donut over real food. And donuts go good with milk. That's why I call them a donut church for the babes in Christ. Apostasy cools and calluses the love of many. Now let me show you how that works, what that looks like. A perverted agape love will cause Christians to chase, seek, and endorse causes that are not biblical. Are we watching that? The love of Jesus Christ in you will cause you to love the lost and to seek them at any cost to do the work of an evangelist. The love of God in you will cause you to hate evil and the wicked way. The love of God in you will cause you to keep the commandments of God. The love of God in you will keep you focused on the Bible. You will love missions. You will love the local church. You will love offerings. You will love evangelism. You'll love outreach. You'll love to cast devils out. You'll love prayer. But when you've lost the love of Jesus Christ, the agape, God kind of love, you're not so much interested in the things God loves. You begin to pick up other causes. We're very much watching that in many churches. The popular thing, even among spirit-filled churches right now, are social causes. Child slavery, sex slavery, save the planet's really big right now in a lot of churches. Save the animals. Many churches now allow you to bring your animal to the house of God. There's a church in town we were at, and the guy that was working the church had his, uh, his Australian shepherd walking with him through the church the whole time. I was, I was appalled. I, I was speechless. That the guy that worked at the church, we were there for a meeting for something, just walking around with this. It was a, it was a very well-behaved dog, mind you. It wasn't like he was going to hike his leg on every children's church post down the hallway. But they had a dog in the house of God. That might fly in Panama or Chile where you have open churches. And I know Jesus was born in a stable. But this is the house of God. Those cultures didn't worship animals like we do. Okay, let's put the litmus test out there. You want me to do it? What does your heart say when you see a box of dead puppies on the side of the interstate? Oh. What does your heart say when you hear about uh, a shipload of uh, Indonesians drowning? Uh. God cares nothing about puppies. Jesus Christ died for those Indonesians that drowned on the ferry. And they never heard about him because you were too busy financing your puppy. We've lost the love of Jesus, therefore we love things that he doesn't love. Ecclesiastes says animals go to hell when they die. I love that verse. I love it, I love it, I love it. 
The soul of the beast descendeth to the pit, it says. Jesus is not interested in puppies, but America is because we've lost the agape of God. We spend more money on animals than we do world missions. This nation spends more money on animals than it does world missions. I think we'll be judged for that. Now, I don't spend any money on animals except for the five cents the 22 round cost to put one down. Unless I'm using a higher caliber and it costs me 50 cents. Amen. When you've lost the agape of God, you love things he doesn't love. And you call them his gospel and he doesn't. Christians will love the creation more than the creator when apostasy abounds. Got to save the planet. Got to recycle this. Got to hug a bunny. Got to save a tree. It's all going to burn. He's going to make a new one one day. I'm looking forward to that. Use this thing up. Do you throw batteries away before they're done? No. You suck the life out of a battery, then you throw it away. God's going to let us suck the life out of this planet, then he's going to look at it. Revelation says his looking at it will melt it away, then he'll speak a new one, and we'll get to live there. And we won't have to worry about trying to save it. When apostasy abounds, Christians will lose track of the Great Commission and take up vain causes. Save a bunny if you want to, but you better make sure you witness to three people this week before you do it. I shot a bunny the other day, and after I shot him, I ran over him. Because I have dominion. That may gross you out, but it's what we do. We go hunting. He was a great distance off. He was a lot smaller than I thought he was. I was impressed I shot him that far away. He was a juvenile. That may bother you. But I also witness to people. I save what Jesus is interested in saving. People. Anything apart from that, and you're loving the creation more than the creator. Jesus didn't die for creation. He died for mankind. Apostasy causes lawlessness to abound in the church. Check. Apostasy causes many to deny the very Lord who bought them or to turn a deaf ear to him. Check. It would appear from these above symptoms that we are in the midst of the ramping up of full out apostasy. And Jesus promised it would happen. It would affect many. May we pray without ceasing and walk with God closer than ever before. If that doesn't put a holy reverence and fear in your heart to walk closer with God and to change whatever needs to be changed in your life and to pray and say, Lord, make my heart right. Keep the love of God in my heart like never before. I don't know what will. You and I all know Christians that are fulfilling this kind of stuff. And even churches in our community are. We're going to walk with Jesus. Now, if you want to have a pet, have a pet. You want to have a dog, have a dog. I'm not against them. I love a good dog when it's trained properly, but I'm not going to die for one. And I'm not going to swerve for one. It gets in my way on the interstate. I'm tagging that thing. Insurance will fix my bumper. That's why I drive a big truck. I'm good for anything up to about 100 pounds. That includes deer. I'm not going to risk my life or my baby's life or my wife's life for some stupid animal. The earth is given to me to use to preach the gospel. So I'm going to cut down trees. I'm going to mine steel and I'm going to preach the gospel with it, print books with it, mine petroleum so I can have ink and jets. And when we're done winning this world for Jesus, we can go home and God will give us a new planet. And that's just all there is to it. Anything apart from that's heresy. So that concludes our eighth lesson. Next week, we start on the spirit of antichrist and what it does, because I guarantee you, every one of us have a little bit of antichrist in us. And then we're going to talk about end time economy 
and then we'll talk about the Antichrist, and we'll see where we go from there. Appreciate it. We have 10 minutes before regular service.